morning, everybody. Let's open in a word of prayer and bring the needs before the Lord as we should. Father God, we thank you this morning for waking us up. Thank you for the opportunity today to serve you. Thank you for this past week, how you've walked with us. And just pray this morning, the MRI of this granddaughter, daughter, who's gone through so much. We just pray especially for her that you would strengthen her. Give those that are doing the MRI wisdom, working with a child. It's very hard to sit still sometimes for two minutes, let alone two hours. So we just put all that situation right now in your hands. We know you're the divine healer. We know you're the one who made us. And Father, we don't understand sometimes the physical issues that come up, but we know you do because you made us. And Father, you walk with us, you're sovereign over every situation. And Father, I just pray for all the unspoken requests this morning. Pray for those struggling physically, those who are having some challenge in their life, some trial that seems overwhelming. God, we know you're with us and you walk with us and help us to hang on a little tighter to you if we need to, because we know you love us and we love you. Pray that you'd be with us this morning as we look to your word for guidance and direction and your Holy Spirit would apply your word to our lives, not only here in Sunday school, but also in the worship service as well. Help us to be good learners. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When we have a medical emergency, maybe we've been in a car accident, maybe somebody's broken into our home or there's a fire, what are we directed to do? Dial 911 for help. Here's a few interesting calls from 911 operators. Here's what one had. Had a lady trying to call an ambulance because she opened a package from Amazon at home and she was afraid that her kid was about to have a major allergic reaction. From the packing peanuts. The kid was allergic to peanuts. And when her kid mentioned that they were, they, they were there, she freaked out. <laughs> so she needed help. Here's another one. One woman called to complain that her McDonald's triple thick milkshake wasn't thick. Actually called. And a final one. My neighbor's sprinkler is on and it's getting my lawn wet. Actual calls. Well, spiritually, who do we call when there's a life's emergency? When Satan, who is seeking to devour believers like a roaring lion, attacks us spiritually with doubt, discouragement, and depression, what do we do in seeking 911 spiritual help? Join me in Psalm 143. Psalm 143, and here we discover four things to remember when we're seeking 911 spiritual help. Psalm 143. And as you're turning, just a quick background to this psalm. This psalm was written by David, and it's the last of seven penitential psalms. Earlier ones included Psalm 6, 32, 38, 51, 
102 and 130, this being the seventh. A penitential psalm is one in which David focuses on his sin, his confession, and his forgiveness. James Montgomery Boyce comments, The opening verses hit us on the chiefest problem for anyone who seeks mercy from God. God is righteous, we are not. Further, in Isaiah 64, 6 reminds us, All our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. And so if you're with me in Psalm 143, we come to the four things we need to remember as we seek 911 spiritual help. The first thing we need to remember is who to turn to. Who to turn to. And we pick that up in verses 1 to 6, Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight no man living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land, Selah. So that first thing we need to remember, who to turn to. Verse 1, David's prayer asks the Lord God, hear me. He petitions God, give heed, attend to. Like in Job 32.10, as Elihu, you remember Job's good friend, he rebukes Job and says, so I say, listen to me. That's what's being said here. Hear me, give ear, ponder, contemplate. As also used in Psalm 140, verse 6, as David prays to God, I said to the Lord, you are my God. Give ear, O Lord, for the voice of my supplications. David turns to God and for him to answer because we're sinners and our righteousness falls well short of God's holiness and his pure righteousness. Matthew Henry shares, we have no righteousness of our own to plead. Therefore, we must plead God's righteousness and the word of promise which he has freely given us and caused us to hope in. Verse 2, we note David recognizes we are all worthy of God's judgment because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one or nothing can match what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, accomplished on the cross for us. It's all about God's grace. And we sing that song here at Lakeside from time to time called, It's Your Grace. 
We will say, you will save whom you will save. We're the lost and helpless ones. The rebels and the renegades who spurned your holy love. You will save whom you will save. Mercy will be magnified. Everyone has gone astray and followed after lies. But you have loved us and opened our eyes. It's your grace from the beginning to the end. It's your grace we will never comprehend. Why you drew the ones who ran from you. What can we do but offer you praise? I think too often we forget every day God's grace in our lives. Not only from waking us up in the morning, but walking with us every step of the way through our days. Some days seem a little longer than others. But God will never leave our side. God wants to lead us, but so often we kind of pull away and we push him aside unless we're in trouble. But from the start of the day, we need to say, Lord, walk with me. Just like Enoch walked with the Lord for a couple of days. How long did he? His whole life. And what a testimony he was to his family. Verses 3 and 4, David, we see, is under attack. You ever feel under attack? At a job, maybe? Or maybe with a neighbor who's just all over you about something that you say doesn't seem like a big deal? Maybe the weeds are getting, dollar weeds are kind of blowing over there. Or maybe anybody ever have cinch bugs under their lawn? And all of a sudden, it looks like it's just dying off. And they say they move from lawn to lawn. I mean, whatever it is, you ever have one of those days that doesn't seem to end? Or maybe it's a medical issue you have or somebody in your family has. But when we're under attack and we will feel that way, David here is expressing that. He said, I'm persecuted. My soul is persecuted. Followed after in order to overtake or stalk my soul. It's an intense pursuit of wanting David to give up. God never wants us to give up. Because with him on our side, we can't lose. The victory is assured. It says here that he has crushed or beat or squeezed or broken to pieces David's life to the ground. John Wolverd shares this, the enemy has driven him out so that he was in darkness and might as well have been dead. His spirit grew weak from the oppression. He was getting worn down. He was getting beat up. And when we're oppressed or wrestling with spiritual issues, Satan wants us to doubt and when we're overwhelmed to quit, to stand on the sideline. But God says, I will help you take the next step. He helps us through what? Through his word. He helps us through our brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes when we're getting overwhelmed or we're getting beaten up and our brothers and sisters come to us and they want to help, they want to exhort, they want to come alongside and too often we push them away. Why? Proud. Proud. We're too proud. And I'll never forget, we were in a situation in Colorado, just gotten off active duty and had moved to to Colorado Springs. And I remember 
a brother there, associate pastor of that church, and he said, John, we'd like to help you with this bill. We know you can't pay the rent this month. And I said, you know, we can handle it. We'll take care. We'll we'll, uh, get by. And he said, John, remember this. He said, when God prompts us to help you and you don't allow us to do it, you're robbing us of the blessing God has for us in doing it. And that gave me a whole new perspective that sometimes we've got to let down the pride and say, I need help. And then let our brothers and sisters help us. That's what the body of Christ is about. Every day we have that strength. And I see and I've seen in my life time and time again People struggling through who don't have a local church, don't have a local body of believers they can hang on to when those crises come. Praise God we have that here. We can be thankful for that every day. I remember serving inmates at Pinellas County Jail. Some would say how discouraged they were. They'd get a trial postponed. Some would share how discouraged they were when their appeals were unheard. Many lost their jobs. Things in their homes were crumbling. But God spoke to them through his word. And other believers, so that their days behind bars became opportunities to serve God. And I saw several men time and time again say they started a prayer group. Or they started a Bible study in their cell pod. And they began to look to God's word for the promises that were there. And they cried out and they said, God, I'm at the bottom here. I'm looking to you. You're my hope. You're the one I need to turn to. And then they would turn to the Lord. The Lord would save them. And they would turn around even in the jail. And I know I heard all the time, well, that's just one of those jail salvations. Well, if one of those is genuine, what's that? Let's say maybe 10 are just a jail conversion. They get out and then there's, there's nothing. But that one, what can you say about that? That's God working and that's something to praise him for. Verse 4, it says again, David is overwhelmed. His mind is muffled with sorrow that he, he can't handle something. We see that quite often, don't we? Every day. But God, again, is there with us. He's walking with us through it. I know early on as a a believer, I used to think, well, God, I'm going to pray that you get me out of the situation. That isn't what God wants to do often in our lives, is it? He wants to walk with us through the situation, through the trial. Why? For his glory, for his honor. And so that we can encourage other believers as well who someday might be in that situation or a similar one. And we can say, I know God will see you through because he saw me through. That gives encouragement. Psalm 77, 3 says, When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. Without God, we're nothing. We can't handle things. I picture a staff sergeant who was in charge of the mess tent when my army unit trained in Fort Gordon, Georgia. He had lost his father, he had lost his aunt, and his brother in three months due to accidents and disease. And he said this to me, and I'll never forget. He said, Chaplain, I'm overwhelmed, but I'm not overcome. 
I'm overwhelmed, but not overcome. Why? Because his eyes were focused on Jesus. Jesus will see him through, even in those times. I was encouraged by one inmate who wrote this. Her name was Elena. She's a, currently a Lowell Correctional Institution in Ocala. She wrote this, never give up. When struggles come your way and the tears you cannot hide, just know you're not alone. Jesus is always by your side. Sometimes we do not know why we go through the things we do, but always keep your faith in God because He will see you through. Hard times don't last forever. There's a rainbow after the rain. Our Savior loves us no matter what, and He'll take away the pain. Keep fighting the good fight of faith and pick your head up high. The next time you look up, you could see a rainbow in the sky. So even though it's hard sometimes, remember you are not alone. Jesus is with you always and forever, and He's coming back to take us home. And every time I share one of those, I'm reminded they're behind bars. They're serving time. And most of them that I talk to, most of them that that want to talk to a chaplain, they know they've done something wrong. But except for the grace of God, how many of us could be on the other side of the bars too? For making a mistake, for being wrong, for doing something we shouldn't have done. But God still walks with them as he walks with us. Last part of verse 4 says, My heart is appalled within me. David's heart is dismayed, troubled, seized with fear. When spiritual opposition comes our way, and it will, we can run away or we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Remember what David did as a young shepherd boy? When that giant came out for 40 days and he bellowed and he made fun of the God of Israel, our God. The army ran away and David got there and he said, what's going on? Where's everybody going? This guy's defying the living God. He said, I'll go, I'll stand. Did he have victory that God gave him? Absolutely. Was that a testimony? Not only to the Philistine army who had to take off running, but what about the Israeli army who had been running away for 40 days, including King Saul? What a testimony he had because he stood in God's power. When we feel overwhelmed, is anything overwhelming for God? No. And we know that. We have the promises of God's word. When we're walking with them every day, it's just another opportunity for God to work. Verses 5 and 6, David recalls all the times God has heard spiritual 911 calls in his own life and with others who turn to him in time of need. Look with me again at verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. Do we reach out for the Lord when those times come? Or do we say, 
Hey, Lord, maybe I can handle it. And if I get in real big trouble or all my ways mess up, then I'll turn to you. The Lord says, turn to me to begin with. I'm here. I'm right here with you. Commentator H.G. Leupold shares this. The sacred scriptures list a vast array of mighty works that God did, works of power and deeds of deliverance. Upon these, the psalmist meditated and he mused. That was an effective way of getting one's bearings. God does not change. I think sometimes we forget that God doesn't change. Everything around us can be changing, but not God. His promises are as true today as in the past. He has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Romans 8.28 is true today as always. All things work together for good, which is God's good, which is for our good. But we've got to, as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we've got to trust in the Lord. Got to say, Lord, I can't handle this. I trust your word. I'm going to lean on it. I'm going to allow this trial to be a faith stretcher in my life and not a faith defeater. I'm going to look to you from the beginning and I'm going to see you work it out as you've promised. Verse 6, David says he stretches out his hands to God to spread out, to extend his hands. When that last crisis came, did we extend our hands to God first or as a last resort? And then last part of verse 6, my soul longs for you as a parched land. Like the ground when it's parched thirsts for rain, so our soul should thirst for God. And we've sung this again. And that's why I love so many of the songs we sing here as a congregation or reminders of Scripture. They're based on Scripture. And we know this one. As the deer, you alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. As a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You're my friend, and you are my brother, even though you are a king. I love you more than any other, so much more than anything. I want you more than gold or silver, only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver. And the apple of my eye. May that be true of us. Every day may we seek and thirst to know God closer way. A more intimate way. Not just in those times of crying out in need. So first we need to remember who do we turn to. A second thing we need to remember in seeking spiritual help is remember God is our hope. God is our hope. Look with me, verse 7 and 8. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk, for to you I lift up 
my soul. God is our hope. And our hope is something that every human being needs and craves. While working at Pinellas County Jail, I saw God save men and women as they found Jesus Christ to be their one and only hope. Not a lenient judge, not a tricky lawyer, not a witness that suddenly comes up, but Jesus Christ. One wrote this. This is written by Dale, and he's serving time in Grady, Arkansas. It's entitled Miracles. The greatest miracle ever happened in my soul. It was that wonderful day when Jesus made me whole. I was so deep in sin I could see no way out. But Jesus worked a miracle and how my mouth did shout. (laughs) I love that. Jesus worked a miracle on the cross of Calvary when he gave his sinless life from this world to set us free. When Jesus said it is finished, a great miracle took place. My sins were all forgiven by his amazing grace. My sins are all washed away. The old man I was is dead. Oh, the mighty miracle in that precious blood Jesus shed. When you think you have no hope, there's nothing you can do. Just open your heart to Jesus and he'll work a miracle in you. Witnessing to those around him, even though he's serving that time. When we're sinking rapidly and our spirit is failing, we must reach for the only true 911 spiritual help who gives us hope. Without God, we will fail and we will lose. But our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. David asked to hear God's loving kindness in the morning. Nights that can cause fear. Remember, I don't know if any of you remember September 11, 2017, around midnight, as Hurricane Irma roared overhead. Anybody else remember that? Or maybe it's already forgotten. Yep. Yet David pictures the morning bringing God's loving kindness, speaks of God's love, his tenderness. After all, he is our Abba, our Daddy. And we can approach God the Father's throne through Jesus Christ, but it's through him alone. John fourteen six, Jesus says, I am a way. He says, what? The way. the way, the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me. He is the only way. Psalm 59:16 reminds us as David is being hunted by Saul's men. He says, "But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning, for you have been my stronghold and a refuge in the day of my distress." Can we sing like David knowing God's loving kindness? is in our lives every morning. And God, thank you for saving me. Didn't deserve it. But I have another day to walk with you. Help me to to walk it in a way that honors you. In verse 8, David expresses, he says, For I trust in you. Trust here means to confide in, to, to place confidence and hope in someone. 
Do we trust God to see us through the tough times? Do we yearn for his loving kindness when chaos is all around us? When we trust in God, we are teachable and trainable. And who's a better teacher than God? Psalm 27.11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a level path because of my foes. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct you. I, God, will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Psalm 86.11, David requests, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Teach me to fear your name. Are we teachable like David? Having the privilege of working with the USO at the airport, I'm always amazed as the new recruits from the Coast Guard, the Navy, Army, and Air Force, they come through on their way to boot camp. They haven't been there yet. I don't give them too many inside points. They just got their medical and they cleared that. Now they have their new card and they come and make sure it works at the USO on their way to boot camp, all different places. And I have several of them ask me along the way. They say, uh, you know, you serve. What, what do I need to remember going into this career or going into boot camp? And I tell them this, be teachable. Be teachable. You say, well, they don't know this yet. But when that guy yells at me, <laughs> tells me give him, give him 20 or 50 or whatever because he's not moving quick enough in line, be teachable as to what they're trying to train you for. We need to be teachable before the Lord. And you say, Lord, every day I'm open to you teaching me. How many of us know everything? I'm not raising my hand. I'm just... <laughs> I, I know, the more I think I know, the less I know. <laughs> We've got to be teachable every day. We've got to say, Lord, what do you want to teach me today? I'm open to it. I want to walk with you, but I want to learn so important. As Jesus, our only hope, teaches us through the Holy Spirit, we need to submit to Him and live the difference of what a personal relationship with Jesus is all about. Because as soon as we make the claim or they say, well, I heard you're a Christian, they're going to watch us. And they're going to see, does it make a difference on day to day? Or is that something you do on Sunday and then you... Just go do your own thing the rest of the week. It's not about that at all. It's about letting Jesus shine through us. Show people a glimpse of who God is because maybe something in our lives we've learned. <laughs> but we got to learn a lot of things many times, don't we? I know as a dad and a grandpa, I can sometimes tell my grandchildren or my sons, my Daughter-in-law, I can tell them something, but then somebody else says it, and suddenly, yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> Thinking, man, you know, I said that like 20 times here and didn't sink in, but somebody else said, oh, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. I'm sure that never happens. I can tell by the laughter. I remember the words to a song we sing at Lakeside, and again, called Cornerstone, and we sing this one quite often, and I appreciate that one. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. 
Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Nobody greater than our God. So when we put our lives into God's hands, He's not going to drop us. He's not going to flip us off to the side. He's not going to give up on us. He's not going to say, John, I'm tired of that prayer again. Boy, you're, you're just hopeless. God doesn't do that. He loves us anyway. Thank God. So we need to remember God is our hope. Third, we need to remember God is our refuge. That's our third point. We need to remember God is our refuge. We look at verses 9 and 10. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. When enemies are overwhelming us spiritually, David reminds us, take refuge literally to you I have hidden. We hide in him, in God. A refuge is a shelter to escape from imminent danger. We ever have imminent danger? Say, well, I don't know, maybe. Seems to us imminent danger. We need to look for shelter in the Lord. John Piper shares, David has fled to God for refuge as covering himself in God. Saying, Lord, just cover me up. You're my refuge. Charles Spurgeon relates this. Hiding in God was a good, was a good result of his persecution. That which makes us flee to our God may be an ill wind, but it blows us good. God can hide us out of reach of harm. He is our hiding place. So when the winds come and blow us against, that's a good wind. Because it's blowing us up against the Lord. Our, our hope and our refuge. There's many examples from the Bible of those who sought God as their refuge in times of danger. Think of David as he sought escape from King Saul when he was chasing him, trying to kill him. Esther as she appeared before King Azerxes. Remember she came up unannounced. If that staff wasn't raised, she was dead. But God directed her to do it, and she did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they refused to bow to that image. Many others we can turn to that look to God for refuge. In verse 10, David asked God, Teach me to do your will. James Montgomery Boyce says, This settles what David's priorities should be. Making the goal not self-fulfillment, but pleasing God and finishing His work. God teaches us His will in three ways. First, by His Word. Second, He illuminates our minds by the Holy Spirit. And third, He imprints it on our hearts and makes us obedient. If we want to learn God's will for our lives, we must be teachable and realize all we are are sinners saved by grace 
And our hearts should be like Samuel when God called him to serve. He said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Why be taught to do God's will? It says here, for you are my God. God saved Daniel and for all believers, we recognize God as our God. It's that personal relationship with him. The final part of verse 10, let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Let the Holy Spirit level out the chaos in our lives. Then it isn't so bumpy, so up and down. Lead me, it says, indicates David recognizing his need of a shepherd. We need a shepherd. A need for God to lead and direct us even in those times of crisis. The Holy Spirit brings stability to our lives. How? Through His Word, through God's promises, through the Spirit's working in us as we seek to be more Christ-like every day. So third, we need to remember God is our refuge when seeking 911 spiritual help. Now we come to the final thing we need to remember when seeking spiritual help. We need to remember God restores us for His glory. God restores us for His glory. Look with me beginning of verse 11. For the sake of Your name, O Lord, revive me. In Your righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. And in Your loving kindness cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. James Montgomery Boy shares, David asked God to preserve his life in order that all may know God is the utterly trustworthy God he is. We are on solid ground when we plead for God's honor rather than our own. Reminded Elisha the prophet as he dealt with the captain of the Syrian army, Naaman, in 2 Kings 5. He didn't go to the end of the road and tell Naaman what to do. He sent his servant and said, the prophet from God sends these directions, go wash in the dirty river seven times and you'll be healed of the leprosy. Did he take some of that gold? Did he take some of that silver and all those rich clothings that General Naaman had come with? No. Why? The glory belongs to God. God's doing this. Let him get all the credit, all the praise that he deserves. David reminds us in Psalm 23.3, He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for what? For his name's sake, for the glory of God. Psalm 31.3, for you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. Do we need guidance and direction? <laughs> Every day. We don't have a book. We, you see all these books at the book stands, how to do this and that. Well, how to do everything perfectly right. Is there one of those? I haven't seen that one, have you? But what do we lean on? What are we to turn to every day? The Word. To be in it. To lean on Him and not on other things. 
when we are seeking 911 spiritual help, when God gives it to us, He gets the glory He deserves. God quickens us for His glory. The word revive means a quickening. It's used in Psalm 119.25. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. God's word revives and quickens us when we feel exhausted. When we're all wrung out. It brings refreshment to us. It's in God's righteousness, God's justice and rightness as David's enemies are seeking to overcome him. James Montgomery Boyce comments, God is utterly righteous. Therefore, David asked God to deliver him and overturn the malice of his foes that right might prevail and evil be judged. Give it to God. Give it to his hands to take care of it. He's the righteous one. We often judge others, but must remember God is the only righteous and true judge. Matthew 7, 1 to 6, give us a warning about judging, doesn't it? And I think a week or two ago, uh, Pastor Steve mentioned, let's get that big beam out of our eyes before we look at the speck of our brother, not judge. Now we move to verse 12 and our final verse of Psalm 143. And in your loving kindness, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. David speaks of God's unfailing love when he showed us, when he saved us. We often forget what Jesus endured on the cross for our sins, and through him we can have forgiveness. David cries out for punishment for his enemies and that justice prevail. But again, he leaves it up to God. We don't understand all of God's plans because his ways and thoughts are what? They're higher than our ways. Then that final thought, the end of verse 12, he concludes, and this is a good conclusion for us, for I am your servant. Reference even back to verse 2 when he said, For do not enter into judgment with your servant. He says here in verse 12, I am your servant. I'm your servant, God. I'm here to serve you. We as believers have the privilege to serve the King of Kings on this earth. An honor to represent Almighty God to those we bump shoulders with at work or at Publix, or with our neighbors, or at home, everywhere we go. God woke us up this morning and set up divine appointments for each one of us. And we have the privilege to keep those. We need to respond to those. And if we're in tune to God's leading and direction in our lives, that we continue to walk with Him every day, for the example of Enoch and others in the Bible, this will be something we do, not as a mindless habit, but as a great joy to wake up and walk with Jesus here on this earth. Charles Spurgeon shares, For the servant, he seeks protection because he belongs to his master. We belong to Jesus. I hear songs all the time that there's one, I don't remember it, I don't have the words here, I don't remember the name of it. But it's something to do with 
Jesus knows our name. (laughs) He knows us inside out. He created us. He saved us. He knows our name. The King of Kings, the God of the universe, knows our name. We're held in the right hand of the Father. No one can snatch us out. When he saves us, he saved us. Praise God. John MacArthur shares, To attack God's servant is to attack God, thus bringing God to the rescue. Do we ever need rescuing? (laughs) How many times a day we can say that? Does God ever say too many times, John? One too many? You got to wait till tomorrow? No. He's always there to rescue. We need that a lot. He doesn't give up on us. He's still working on us. You ever see that bumper sticker? Be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. Well, praise God he's not through with any of us as his children. We have another day to serve God on this earth. To bring honor and glory to him. And when he brings deliverance, when he rescues us, may we praise his name. Well, we need rescuing tomorrow. Every day we do. Amen. In this world setting, when we have an emergency, we dial 911 for help. In review, when seeking spiritual 911 help, we need to remember these four things. In Psalm 143, who to turn to? Remember God is our hope. Remember God is our refuge. And remember, fourthly, no God restores us for His glory. No busy signals with God. No answering machine. No drop calls. No robocalls. When we pray to God, He always hears. Especially with those emergencies. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, thank You that we can praise You like David that you're always there for us. We didn't deserve salvation, yet you saved us. We didn't deserve to wake up this morning, yet you woke us up. Help us to always remember to turn to you first in every emergency that comes up, and sometimes they come one after another, but God, you are able, you're sovereign. You will see us through each one. And we look forward to to that day when we'll be with you for eternity. In the meantime, help us again, Lord, to remember Psalm 143, how David turned to you, how we need to turn to you first, and we need to lean on you and hang on to you. Even when the world around us has fallen apart, you never fall apart. You're always there for us. And we praise you and thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.